Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Sex Mancers Podcast. Okay, starting off the show here, I want to get your opinion on something. I've been debating about whether or not to take this to a video show, and if I do, how to keep it interesting for you. So, the three ways in which I was thinking about being able to take this uh, to video on YouTube and such is, one, uh, just putting a camera in front of me, and then you can watch me as I you know, do my talking and audio and then maybe put up some funny pictures, uh, you know, or something and maybe add in some clips, you know, whether that would be interesting to you. I thought about doing uh, three segments of the show in which I, you know, with a combination of green screens and being able to put in uh, for different locations, being able to give you some advice and make it a little funnier uh, than the uh, podcast show while I provide you the information. or taking this as a live call-in show, you know, setting up Skype and letting you just call in through Skype um, and be on the show asking your questions or sharing your stories. So I just want to get your feedback as to whether or not you'd be interested in this becoming a video show and whether you just want to, you know, be able to watch me as I record, um, you know, whether you would like it as you know, uh, being different than uh, the audio version, or if you would like to do a call-in show uh, to be able to get your uh, questions or your specific situation uh, answered, or to share your successes and failures. So check the uh, links in the description below uh, in order to be able to provide me your feedback. Uh, I'll just give you the email address. And uh, based off of your feedback, I will design a video show. Assuming, of course, you want a video show. Okay, so getting into this. So on one of my other podcasts in which I do politics, I came across uh, this article here, and I thought, wow, this is great for this show here, right? So it's from the Daily Wire, and the Daily Wire is a conservative outlet or conservative source. So, you know, this isn't uh, a political show. It's just... You know, the information I search both conservative and liberal news sources, um, you know, for my politics show. But anyways, it just caught my headline or the headline caught my attention. And it reads that college newspaper reports women rejecting shaving legs and armpits gaining momentum. All right. So now you know why this uh, fits into this show here. So it goes on to say, at Temple University, the student newspaper is seemingly excited about a trend uh, that has been uh, gaining momentum, body positivity, which entails women ditching the idea of shaving their legs and, in other cases, their armpit. Okay, okay. So let's get into here uh, just a moment here. Now, if you're not planning on having sex, then whether or not you shave doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, and um, as far as it goes, in the winter time, especially when you're wearing pants, your legs aren't going to be shown off because you know women who wear skirts, dresses, and you know shorts or whatever. During the winter time, if you live in a state that is cold, you're just crazy to begin with. All right, you, you, why you want to subject yourself to freezing your ass off that much? I would never understand. Right, so I live in Iowa, right? And in Iowa, the winters uh, get as cold as negative 30 below zero, 
All right. So you're not going to see women showing off their legs in the wintertime. You know, that's for sure. But in any event, so if you're not planning to having sex and it's wintertime and you're just spending your, you know, nights lounged around on your sweatpants under a blanket, just trying to stay warm. Fine. Yeah. Don't, you know, shaving is not an issue. But if you plan on having sex, you best be shaving. All right. Now I get it. You're saying body positivity and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Now let's talk about body positivity. Okay. You're ditching the razors, you know, uh, not wanting to shave as a body positivity movement. And yet you're still throwing on makeup, fake nails, uh, hair extensions and all of that. Kind of a bit of a hypocrisy moment there. Um, just a little bit, but as far as it goes for sex, you know, as adults, I mean, we're not willing to put up with the things that we were willing to as teenagers. For instance, as adults, we don't really care for the idea of rug burn, right? And if you're not shaving and you're creating uh, some rug burn for the guy, woof. but also I just want to point out here that you don't get to pick what guys find sexually attractive. Just like guys don't get to pick what women find sexually attractive. And for you ladies out there, you want to know what's not sexually attractive? Chewbacca. Right? So if you look like Chewbacca, you know, don't expect the guy to have porno dick for you. Don't expect the guy to be hard and up and all of that. Expect him to go pretty soft. Right? Now, I get it. You know, if you've been married for a while, then, you know, it's not as, you know, rigid as far as, you know, you shaving. You can get away with not having freshly smooth legs every time. You can have it a little stubbly. You know, um, just after so many years of marriage, you know, it's, you know, just not as big. But when you're first, you know, dating and first engaged and, you know, uh, freshly married, it's still important uh, to remain you know, as sexually attractive uh, to your guy as possible. You know, um, you know, you don't want you know your household to be Harry and the Hendersons. You know, uh, now I get it. You're saying guys. You know, guys don't shave their legs. Guys don't shave their armpits. And yeah, I get that. You know, and some things just are the way they are. You know, society, how things grew, things that have been into play long before uh, you were born. Let's also put in the point where, you know, people generally, you know, don't like the way other people smell either, right? There's a reason we have deodorant. There's a reason we have perfumes and cologne and all of that stuff. Because generally, you know, as human beings, you know, we want to say, hey, you should accept us for who we are. And by the way, we don't like the way you smell. We don't like, you know, um, you know, to be around each other, you know, too much. I mean, we're social, but we're not social. You know, yes, you know, I get that. You know, but it's a matter of how sexually appealing do you want to be, you know, and whether or not you're planning on having sex, right? So there's a reason, you know, why women are wearing makeup. There's a reason why you have the fake nails and the hair extension, all that. It's because you're trying to attract a mate, right? And you, and guys, you know, they do things in order to try and attract a mate as well. You know, trying to keep physically fit, you know, using deodorant, cologne, 
you know, keeping our face shaved, you know, and, you know, guys shave as well, right? The number of guys who are, you know, are shaven versus having a beard. Well, there's a lot of guys who are shaven. And I can tell you here when it comes uh, to, you know, my wife, she loves it when I'm freshly shaved. Because when I am, she wants me going down on her. She wants me eating her out because it feels amazing to her. But if I'm not shaven, she doesn't want me anywhere, my face anywhere near there. Why? Because she doesn't like how it feels like sandpaper if I'm not freshly shaven. Or if it's not just stubble, but, you know, really grown out, it just doesn't feel good to her. She doesn't like the way it feels. You know, but if I'm freshly shaven, oh yeah, she wants me there. You know, and so there is, you know, uh, that on the other side as well. You know, you women, you know, you have certain parts of a guy's body that you like to be shaven because shaven versus unshaven changes the way things feel and, you know, changes your, you know, whether or not you're sexually attracted to a guy. Some of you girls, you really like guys with beards. Some of you girls, you really don't like guys with beards. You only like guys that are freshly shaven. So think about that as you're going through and, you know, trying to decide whether or not you're going to join the ditch the razor movement or, you know, continue on shaving. You know, just think about that and then decide whether or not your guy is the type of guy or the guy that you want to attract is the type of guy that would be turned on by Chewbacca. And while we could probably go on and do an entire episode about, you know, shaving makeup and, you know, fake nails and fake hair, you know, we're going to go ahead and move on. But the statement that I'm just wanting to say here is, if you're doing the makeup, the fake nails and, you know, hair, you know, any one of those, then, you know, the whole shaving thing, you know, is just par for the course, right? Now, if you're going without makeup, without any of the fake stuff, and you decide you want to stop shaving, it, that's your choice. There, that at least avoids hypocrisy. And all the more power to you, just recognize that that may hinder your dating life. Right? But don't do this whole, I'm going to quit shaving and, you know, make the claim in order to get media attention and then still throw on makeup. Right? Don't, don't do that because that, that, type of hypocrisy is just what annoys me. All right, so let's go ahead and move on. Okay, women. So let's talk about hitting your sexual peak, your sexual peak, you know, uh, getting there earlier and making it last longer. Now, when we talk about this, you know, let's take a moment to recognize that men and women, as one of the differences, hit their sexual peaks at different ages. Men hit their sexual peaks uh, in their 20s, and women generally hit their sexual peaks in their 30s. Now, there may be some reason for that, and part of the uh, reasoning for the sexual peak uh, for women in their 30s is that may be just a mental state of mind, you know, where they no longer care about other people's opinion. You know, they're more free to express themselves, and there's probably a few reasons uh, for that, you know, and... You know, maybe a part of that is because you lose your inhibitions in a relationship. So you've been with a guy for a long time. You know what he likes. You know, you know, uh, everything, uh, about him. 
That's one of the amazing things uh, about women is your ability to get to know the man in your life better than he knows himself. And so with all of that, you just naturally have confidence, not only from experience, but from knowing the same person. And let's face it, you know, uh, when it goes through here, um, you know, when you first start having sex, usually sometime uh, around high school, you know, men, they don't lack confidence. They'll, they have unjustified confidence in many cases. You know, a guy will go, well, of course I know what I'm doing. Not a clue, right? You know, uh, they just go through and in a lot of cases, you know, guys can start off on something without a clue about what they're doing and just figure it out. You know, it's just like me with electronics, right? For some reason, I'm like the electronic whisperer. I can dig into something uh, for the first time, having no clue what I'm doing or what makes this thing run, and I'm able to figure it out, get it fixed, and get it working great. You know, so much so that my family uh, had caught on to this at a very early age, and they were always having me fix things. I even just recently, you know, I had to fix a laptop, you know, for my dad. I've never replaced uh, the LCD screen in the laptop, and never replaced the CPU, and I just dug in there and figured it out, and now they got a computer that works again and works better than what it did. But, you know, when we go on here and we talk about sex, you know, um, you know, growing up, of course, you know, men are, you know, more sexualized, more, you know, uh, talked to about sex and everything, and women, you know, you don't really get the same talk. You're more given the precautionary, you know, talk about it. And so, you know, with the way things go, most women, you know, their first time, it's done in missionary position, and the guy is pretty much in control. You just lay there and let the guy, you know, do his thing. And, you know, because of that, you know, you just, you know, it takes some time for you to, you know, gain up uh, some confidence to experiment. You know, because, you know, in the high school, everyone's afraid of the rumor mill, right? The rumor mill. And so you, you know, you may lack confidence in bed because, you know, you're afraid that, you know, one bad sexual experience, the guy's going to talk about it and it's going to go around school. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone's talking about how bad you are in bed and, you know, destroy your social life. But then there's the flip side where if you have too much sex and sleep around too much, oh, then other women start talking about you. I mean, Women can be very vicious to each other uh, in high school. You know, it's really kind of one of those uh, situations where you start wondering what's worse, the mental abuse that women uh, do to each other or physical uh, abuse uh, of men towards each other uh, fighting. I would say the mental abuse is worse because a lot of times guys can get into fights, beat each other to a bloody pulp, and the result is they become best friends. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's one of those uh, amazing things. But, you know, so you're too concerned about what other people, you know, are saying. Now, maybe one of the reasons why the sexual peak hits in your 30s is because now you're so far removed, you know, from high school. And as far as at work, you know, rumors aren't going around about, you know, uh, sex and sexuality and all of that, that you stop caring about what other people think. You stop caring about, you know, uh, everybody's opinion about you. And because of that, you know, as you get older, you become more free. 
free to express yourself, both sexually and non-sexually. You know, and by the time you hit your 30s, you know, let's face it, you're probably already been married, right? So you, at this point in time, the only opinion that, that you care about, you know, at least sexually, is that of your husband, right? And so you're not concerned about trying to be, you know, appealing and whatever to a mass uh, way, uh, range of guys. You're no longer casting your net in order to try and attract a mate. You already got your mate. And his opinion is, of you sexually is the only opinion that matters. And so that lifts a weight off of your shoulders, doesn't it? You know, and allows you to release your inhibitions as you start spicing things up and you're not really concerned that one bad night uh, of sex is going to ruin the relationship and have them leave because you know you've you know you've had a lot of great sex you've had a lot of you know quickies you've you know you've done quite a bit and so you're not as concerned which again you know mentally frees you up allows you to unleash your inner freak you know, unleash your, the sexual beast that is you. But there's something else here that goes on uh, by the time you hit your 30s that basically allows you to unleash, you know, yourself sexually, uh, unleash and, you know, get rid of your inhibition. You know, and that is by the time you're 30, you've usually had, uh, you know, some kids by now. You know, you're, on average, you know, you're married and you have children. Now, why does that matter? Well, once you've had children, you're pretty much, you know, not really concerned with, you know, how you look and, you know, what people think and all of that. Why? Because if you have a kid, that means you've also been through pregnancy. You've blown up uh, like a balloon once. You've, uh, you know, had, you know, the gynecologist shove his hand uh, up in you, you know, checking and feeling around your pelvic area. You know, and you've been in the delivery room, which means you're on the bed. You have no pants on, no underwear on. You're in a room with about half a dozen people or more sitting there, you know, you know, pregnant as can be, your genitals exposed with everybody staring at it, waiting for the kid to come out. All right. At that point, you really have nothing to be shy about. Right. After that experience, you know, of having everyone look at your bloody vagina with a kid popping out of it and your stomach blown up like a balloon. What are you shy about at this point? You know, what are you concerned about what people th think or what your spouse thinks about uh, your physical looks and all of that sexually? You know, you were just had a half a dozen people in a room staring at you in your most unattractive moment. Right, so uh, at that point, you're just kind of like, yeah, who gives a shit what anybody thinks, right? And because of that, you're able to release yourself, you know, fully, mentally, and all of that. And you're able to just go, yes, I'm sexy and I know it. You know, <laughs> that's just how it is. You know, and so you got the confidence. And plus, maybe it's because of the uh, the factor of having a kid that you feel. Your relationship is even more stable, and so you're able to just go out and explore yourself uh, a little bit more. Now, with having been married uh, to the same guy for years and knowing him and all of that, 
you're willing to take uh, a few risks. And plus, you know, practice makes perfect. And so you have practiced with this guy many, many times over that you are married to. And so you got the art of sex and pleasure and all of that down, you know, perfect. You know, you know every little way to move and wiggle and all of that to drive his pleasure points to the max. You know, okay. So, you know, it's just part of that being freer sexually. It's part of that whole, you're not really concerned about other people's opinions about your, about you other than your spouse. It's the fact that you've had, you know, time with the same person and got to know them. It's the fact that you are so far removed from the high school rumor mills that it's not really affecting you anymore. You have greater trust in your husband, you know, or the man in your life. And, you know, other people's opinions are just like, yeah, who gives a shit? Who are they? You know, they don't really know me. I mean, let's face it. You know, you're not really all that concerned about the rumor mill at the office. Well, one, the rumor mills at the office are less about your sexuality and who you're dating and, you know, whether, you know, they want to call you a slut or not. And that's not it. The rumor mill at work is usually about, you know, your professional life, you know, and so you're not having all of that, you know, negative commenting and all of that uh, regarding your sexuality. And, you know, at work, you only have, you know, a couple of friends at work at most. Some people, they never actually go to work and go, I'm going to make friends and I want these friends. No, I mean, you have your, you know, people that you'll talk to. Because we do need some human interaction. You know, in some cases, yes, maybe you are friends and you do hang out after work. And other cases, the friends that you have at work, you never see them outside of work. And you don't care to see them outside of work. They're not really part of your social life. So their opinion of you, you know, in your personal life doesn't matter one bit. And you have come to realize that, right? Maybe their opinion of you professionally, you know, matters to you. And that's great, you know, um, you know, in the sense that how people perceive you at work, uh, you know, determines maybe some of your promotional opportunities. But without that, you're not, you know, uh, all that concerned. You know, now, you know, and now, Maybe another reason why you hit your sexual peak in your 30s is uh, going back to the subject of kids. Now that you've, you know, by the time you're 30, you've probably, you know, you've been married for a few years, you've had some kids, and maybe now you're done with kids, right? And so now you're going more for permanent birth control. You know, uh, maybe the guy in your life has gotten snipped, had a vasectomy, you know, and you know, he's gotten the all clear from the doctor that, you know, there's no more, you know, live sperm, you know, uh, being ejaculated, uh, during sex, right? Now, just to let you know, uh, in my household, I did get snipped, right? We decided that we were done having kids. And so I went off and I had a vasectomy. And shortly thereafter, I noticed, you know, my wife was, getting more and more sexually active and more enthusiastic uh, about sex. And it's because of the lack of worry, right? 
The lack of worry. Now, let's take a look at, you know, before you're done having kids, right? When you're doing family planning and you're thinking about birth control, right? So if you're not done having kids, the only thing the guy has is a condom, and the condom sucks, and, you know, it doesn't feel as good, and, you know, yada, 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 and so you feel pressured, you know, to be the one to handle birth control. And let's face it, you know, women, in a marriage, you your guy should not be strapping on a condom, right? You should not be, you know, doing that to him. I know it seems unfair. It seems, you know, like guys should be willing to do more birth control-wise. And you know what? You may be right. But the problem is the lack of options, right? There really isn't, you know, as many options of birth control for men than there is for women. There's only two options, a condom and a vasectomy. And if you're not done having kids, a vasectomy is not an option, right? So. You know, the condom is the only thing the guy has, you know, to work with uh, as far as birth control. And we all know that condoms, you know, suck. They don't feel good. So birth control is on you. And so, you know, you talk about, you know, the the IUDs, but, you know, if that gets dislodged or whatever and you're not and you don't really know, you're still worried about whether or not you're going to get pregnant because, you know, it's not 100 percent effective you know, getting pregnant before you want to. And, you know, same thing with all the other birth controls. You know, uh, they affect your hormones or, you know, they're not as effective and all of that. And so as you engage in sexual activity uh, with your spouse, you know, you're concerned about getting pregnant before you want to get uh, pregnant or add on to your family, especially when you first get married. Maybe you want to wait, you know, a year, two years or three years before you have that kid. Or maybe you've just recently, you know, had a kid and now you're concerned because you want to wait until the kid's a year old or maybe you want two years in between each kid, you know, uh, part of your family planning. And so, you know, birth control and pregnancy is still kind of an issue. But now that you're done having kids and you get the permanent thing, you know, whether that's getting your tubes tied, getting the, uh, the guy getting a vasectomy or, you know, whatever it is. There's no consequences to sex. There's no more, you know, uh, worries about pregnancy with sex and having more kids than you can afford or having kids outside of your family planning, right? So now your, your, your sexual life is more carefree. And therefore, because it's more carefree and you've been with the guy and you no longer, you know, have inhibitions because you've been through the delivery room. You know, you're willing to express yourself more sexually and just go for it more often, right? And so there's, you know, that. And so these issues here that I've been bringing up is your sexual peak is being about mindset, is being about, you know, you know your perception of you, your perception of you sexually, and your concerns or fears. Uh, about, you know, pregnancy and how you will be perceived, right? Now, yes, some of it does have to do with changes in your hormone levels, right? But changes in your hormone levels, you know, um, uh, you know, are not as big of a factor as it is, you know, all the mental issues, you know, um, I shouldn't say mental issues because that gives kind of a negative sound to it, but as far as mindset issues, right? Now, there are things that you can do to help, 
you know, uh, get your hormone levels, change them, and all of that. And, you know, as far as hormone level changes, hormonal birth control, no longer having to take that because you now have the permanent birth control in effect, you know, can also be part of what hits you sexually because you're no longer taking the hormone-changing substances, you know, as birth control methods. And so that, you know, goes through and helps release you sexually, right? Now, there are things that you can do to hit your sexual peak earlier, right? You don't have to wait until you're 30 and all of these other things have happened in order for you to be released sexually. And so let's go through and let's talk about things that you can do to hit your sexual peak earlier. Now, if you can hit your sexual peak earlier, start having better sex sooner and have your sexual peak last longer, wouldn't you want to go for that? Wouldn't you want to have a life of better sex? I mean, let's face it, that orgasm must feel amazing, right? I mean, I can sit there, or not sit there, but I can go through and talk about how it seems, you know, when my wife has an orgasm, you know, how, you know, explosive and pleasurable it feels and how, you know, she, you know, uh, looks and, you know, seems to be afterwards and think, wow, that, that's an amazing thing. And it seems like a woman's orgasm is more intense and satisfying than a man's orgasm is, you know, and maybe that's uh, designed uh, by nature. And so with that, yes, it does start with your mindset and your mindset helps you pick the right sexual partner. Right. And so what gets amazing uh, to me or what baffles me is that women, when, uh, you know, when they're choosing, you know, their mate and, you know, out there in the dating field, hold back sexually, you know, and their sexual desires. I mean, let's say, for instance, you know, one thing that really sexually turns you on and, th- and what you enjoy a lot about sex is being fucked in the ass, right? Anal sex, right? But then when you're out there on the dating field and you, you know, are dating a guy and you're investing time and emotion and trying to develop the relationship, you hold back from anal sex or even bringing up anal sex, right? Because you're too self-conscious about how the guy might react. Well, here's the thing. If you're holding yourself back sexually while you're dating, you're setting yourself up for picking the wrong sexual partner. Right. You want to be able to go off and, you know, when you're dating, you know, uh, to find a spouse or a life mate, you don't want to hold back because you don't want to end up picking the wrong sexual partner that is not going to be able to satisfy you in bed or whose, you know, sexual preference and chemistry doesn't match yours. You know, you've invested all this time and energy into a relationship that you've held back sexually, you end up getting married, and then what happens? Uh, Divorce happens because, well, you're just unsatisfied sexually. Well, part of that is you. You know, part of that is you holding back. You know, or, you know, you're listening to the show because, you know, your relationship isn't as good as what it could be, and part of that is your sex life just is kind of blah. Well, Ask yourself, have you been upfront, open, and honest uh, with your partner sexually? You know, have you unleashed yourself sexually and have you communicated, you know, what your sexual preferences are and what your sexual desires are? Faking it in bed is not going to lead you 
to what you want in life. And so part of this is why you may not be hitting your sexual peak as early as you want because you're holding back too much and setting yourself up for the wrong sexual partner. You know, guys are very, very simple, right? They can't read your mind. They will take what you say at face value. But they'll also take uh, what you don't say at face value. And let me explain that. If you don't tell a guy that you want something, we're going to assume that that's not something you're interested in because you haven't told us. Right? And so you got to be upfront from the very beginning, from the very first time you jump into bed with a guy. You know, you need to, you know, express yourself and unleash yourself fully in bed. And then you can gauge whether or not that relationship is going to be worth investing in, you know, from the start. You're not wasting time only to find out that you're sexually incompatible. And if the guy, you know, doesn't, you know, really care for what you need, like, and want sexually, then guess what? Move on to the next guy. Now, maybe it's a guy that you really, really, really like and okay. You know, if if that part of your sexuality is not that important to you, fine, I guess. But if you really want the whole overwhelmed, well-rounded, great relationship, great sex, great, you know, relationship out of the bedroom, all of that, you got to be able to communicate fully, unleash yourself, share yourself completely with the guy. And if it just doesn't work out and the guy's just not interested and, you know, and being that way with you sexually, then move on to the next guy. The guy who will be just as much of a freak in the sheets as you need to be, as you want to be, as you desire to be. Right. And I get it. You know, your first time, you know, when you lose your virginity, I get it. You, you're not going to be that way because you don't know. You don't know what turns you on sexually because you don't have the experience. You haven't figured it out yet. But right there from the very beginning, you should be concerned more about being able to unleash yourself sexually with a guy and be upfront about your sexual needs and desires so that you make sure that you find an actual compatible mate for you sexually. Right, So you can't be shy, you have to communicate, and you have to be willing to just go off and experiment, you know, and not be concerned if things fail. And plus, if you're concerned about, you know, being judged in bed, well, let me get the, let me point this out to you. Um, If you're experimenting and the guy is going to judge you sexually, that's not the guy that you want to be with for life. Because all that's going to do is hold you back sexually from hitting your sexual peak and being able to express yourself fully. So you've got to be saying, hey, I don't give a shit, right? This is how I like it in bed. Now, I'm willing to do the things that he wants to do in bed as well. You know, and if a guy is going to just judge me or say, hey, you know, quit that out and that is something important to me. Well, then screw it, you know, move on to the next guy, you know, until you find the one that is. And so there is that mindset in which you do need to get over, you know, concerned about how someone's going to think of you because 
You want a relationship in which you can be you fully in and out of bed. Okay. Now you got to, you know, relate fully your sexual desires and, you know, you have to be fulfilling to fulfill his desires as much as you want him to fulfill your desires. And with that, you should be, you know, wanting to have sex with your partner, you know, at least twice a week, three times a week or more, right? A minimum of twice a week because there is some of that body conditioning, right? And as far as orgasming, you know, and hitting your sexual peak, you got to be willing to do, you know, to get into the positions. You got to be willing to experiment. You got to be willing to do things and do it, you know, repeatedly so that you can figure out exactly how it is you need to be in each position in order to enjoy it fully, right? So for instance, you know, doggy style, there's so many different ways in which you can be propped up doggy style, whether it's, you know, bent over a bed, whether you have a cushion, you know, with your face planted in to the bed with your butt up in the air, you completely on all fours upright and all of that. But how you, you know, go through and angle yourself, you know, and angle the entry in the doggy position is going to determine how it feels and determine whether or not you can orgasm. Now, the first few times that you do doggy style and while you're experimenting, no, you're not going to have an orgasm because it feels different and, you know, you haven't gotten uh, your body trained to that, especially if you've been trained, uh, you know, previously that all your orgasms happen on bottom, you know, in missionary position. Or, you know, you got to be able to train yourself having an orgasm in cowgirl position on top, which I get it. That's probably the hardest position for you to have an orgasm in because here your body and your muscles are twitching. Everything's going off and, you know, uh, and your mind is you can't really think too well and all of that. And yet you need to keep moving. So I understand where that would be, you know, uh, the hardest now. There are other things that you can do, you know, sexual enhancers and sexual stimulants. Now, when going through and using these, um, you got to be, uh, you know, careful, uh, and know what your medical conditions, health and all of that is. So there are some women out there who are taking Viagra, you know, and while Viagra is more marketed towards men and because there's the idea that men are more, you know, sexual than women, but Let's face it, women are just as sexual. They just don't express it uh, verbally, you know, as much. But Viagra works for women just as it does uh, for men, you know, and basically it's just a PDE5 inhibitor, which if a woman takes uh, Viagra, it will allow for more blood flow and blood rushing uh, to the vagina and the clit, increasing its sensitivity and stimulation. And it can also allow you to have multiple orgasms. Now you may need to take a break, you know, in between, you know, you know, and do rounds, but yeah, you could uh, potentially have multiple orgasms, but there are some issues with that. You know, mainly, you know, uh, whether or not you can have health. Now there are some natural, you know, uh, Viagra's out there. Now when I say natural, they're not as powerful and as potent, but there's a reason why, you know, people suggest horny goat weed. Why? Because uh, horny goat weed has an ingredient, um, you know, part of it called incanus or incarnes, 
you know, um, I'm not really familiar with the pronunciation of it, but it is a PDE5 inhibitor. Now, Viagra being artificial is 80 times more potent than that. But if you were to take, you know, horny goat weed or, you know, just skip the horny goat weed and just get straight uh, incarns, you know, what you're doing is you're creating something that's going to relax, you know, the blood vessels. But it's also going to be a PDE5 inhibitor, which means, you know, um, you'll be more easily uh, aroused sexually. Um, your, you know, sexual sensitivity and pleasure will be heightened and increased. And you can take this as a daily supplement, right? Now, I get it. Some people are going off and going, well, you know, I shouldn't have to take a daily supplement, you know, uh, for sex. You know, I'm just going to have sex in the mood, only when I'm in the mood and all of that. But I say to you, you're thinking about this wrong. You're thinking about sex all wrong if you're going off and saying, well, I'm only going to have sex, you know, just when I'm in the mood and I'm not going to take anything to get me into uh, to that mood. Well, think about this. Why wouldn't you want to have more orgasms? Right? I mean, we've gone through and we've talked about, you know, studies where the more orgasms you have, the happier you are in life, the less stressed you are, the healthier uh, you are, and, you know, all these other benefits of orgasms. And by the way, it feels great. So why wouldn't you want to increase how many orgasms that you can have? Why wouldn't you want to increase your sexual pleasure? You know, so, you know, taking daily supplements. And by the way, this isn't just for you. You know, guys, hey, if you get, you know, you should be taking supplements too to increase your sexual pleasure. You know, why not maximize your sexual pleasure to its fullest? And so you take uh, Encarins or horny goat weed. It's a PDE5 inhibitor. How effective it, uh, how strong of an effect you'll get, you know, is going to be individualized uh, by person, how sensitive uh, you are to those things. You know, but you'll be able to go through and hit that sexual peak where you want to have sex multiple times a week. Uh, you know, if you're already having sex, you know, twice a week, maybe it increases it to three times a week, maybe up to four times a week. You know, are you really concerned about having too many orgasms here? Is that, I mean, is that really a concern people have? It's like, well, you know, you know when it comes to sex, I'm concerned that there's a point where I could have too many orgasms. You know, I, I'm just not sure how comfortable I am with it feeling better than it already does. I mean, is that really a concern anybody would have? You know, I mean, uh, so I don't really see any reason why, you know, people wouldn't take, you know, supplements, you know, to increase the pleasure that they get in sex. I mean, there, it really isn't a situation, and I don't know of anybody going out there and going, you know, I would take the supplement, but sex just feels too good when I take it. <laughs> and so, uh, as far as it goes, you know, we've take, talked about, you know, taking supplements and all of that to get in the mood to increase the sexual activity in the relationship in the bedroom to get him more into the mood and mindset to do more things with you outside of the bedroom. Because men connect, you know, uh, through physical activities, uh, whereas women connect uh, through emotional activities. You know, so going off and, you know, taking sexual enhancers and sexual stimulants, you know, is not just about, 
in, you know, increasing your sexual uh, desire for how many times a week you're going to go off and have sex, right? But it's also, I've noticed that, you know, women, you know, uh, when the more in the mood they are, the less that their inhibitions, you know, control them, you know, or hold them back, you know, and so this is something that guys, you know, can tell you, we can really tell the difference between when you're really in the mood and when you're just kind of, eh, you know, I could or couldn't take, you know, I could do without it. I, I don't necessarily need it. Or I'm just slightly in the mood. I would like an orgasm, but I'm not really horny, horny, you know, just a little horny. We can tell the difference, right? And guys can tell the difference because of the things you do in bed. Like, so for instance, you know, um, now, I'll use my wife as an example here. Uh, she doesn't mind. She knows that I use her as an example on the show and, you know, all of that. And she's uh, well used to it. In fact, she gave me plenty of permission to use her as an example uh, whenever necessary. But when my wife is really, really, really horny, I can tell a complete difference, right? She's more flirtatious with me, but she's also more active in the bedroom. She's more you know, uh, unleashed in the bedroom. So, you know, when she's really, really, really horny, you know, uh, she'll drag me into the bedroom. She'll throw me onto the bed and she'll start going to town with a blowjob. You know, uh, she goes through, she'll tie me up, blindfold me and get on top and ride me, uh, for a long time. And oh man, it is amazing. You know, she will experiment, try new things. She'll go off. And I mean, she is just an animal in the bedroom and I love it. Right. But then there are other times when, you know, she's just, you know, slightly horny. And, you know, in that case, she's not as active or aggressive or unleashed. I mean, she'll, you know, sometimes just go through the motions a little bit or she'll um, go through and, you know, just be, you know, some active, but it doesn't have quite the enthusiasm behind it. I mean, it still feels great, right? It still feels good, you know, but it's, she's not as active and getting on top and the different positions. She's just, she would just be, you know, more of, you know, getting into missionary and enjoy it, you know, that way. And there are times when she's just not in the mood, but she's just doing it you know, because she knows I'm in the mood and I'm horny. And therefore, you know, there's really not a whole lot of interaction because she just doesn't have the motivation, right? So guys can tell the difference in the motivation, but the hornier you are, right, the less you're inhibited in the bedroom, the more you're willing to go out there and have wild, passionate sex and unleash your inner sexual beast. So knowing that and knowing how that leads to greater, more satisfying sex, why wouldn't you, you know, be willing to take, you know, some supplements to increase your sexual desires and increase your sexual pleasure, you know, how pleasurable it is. Unless, you know, you're going to come off and disagree with me, you know, and say, hey, you know what? Sex does feel too good. I mean, if you're a person who is going to go off and say sex does feel too good and that you have way more orgasms uh, than you could ever want or, you know, whatever, go ahead and email me. 
email me if you actually believe you're that you're having too many orgasms. Email me if you actually believe sex can feel too good. Too good and that you know it's so good you you just don't want it anymore. Right? So that's part of hitting your sexual peak earlier and longer. And you know, if you're already, you know, a healthy, young, you know, person, whether that's you know, a guy or a girl and, you know, you're in your late teens, you're 18, you know, maybe you're 25, you know, 18 to 25, right? And you're, you know, at your healthiest, you're, you know, at your most physically fit, you're not dragged down, you know, as much uh, by the stresses of jobs and everything, you know, and your body is just meant to go at it like rabbits, you know, you know, then taking this increases your sexual you know, pleasure and desire, and makes you more willing to go through and experiment. Another way to try and say this here is that by taking the sexual enhancers and stimulants, you get to have the fun that you would have, you know, being drunk without inhibitions, without any of the negative side effects of being drunk, right? We know that drunken sex is, well, that's kind of an interesting experience, you know, there, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the most pleasurable experience, but, you know, it's definitely an adventure, right? You know, and so you want to get, you want to have the effects of, you know, lowering your inhibitions in bed that you get from alcohol without any of the negative side effects. And that's where the sexual enhancers and stimulants, you know, can come into play here. Now, you do got to be careful when you take these. Um, I mean, there was a, you know, a supplement that I had given my wife uh, years ago. You know, this was before we were married and everything. And, you know, I got her to take one of those sexual enhancers. Now, it said it, that it was all natural. And she took it and, oh, my God, she was an animal. You know, and I loved it. I mean, she was going off I mean, on our days off, um, you know, when she would take it. I mean, she was, it was so effective. She was wanting to go at it three, four times a day. You know, uh, while we were doing that, and she was having multiple orgasms a day. But the problem was, uh, later on, uh, we had found out that it wasn't all natural, uh, as it had stated. It had an artificial PDE5 inhibitor, um, and was basically a form of Viagra. Now, that did, uh, come to light, and, you know, the company got sued, and, their products are now banned, you know, from the marketplace. But base because basically she took Viagra, you know, but we thought it was an all natural supplement because that's how it was marketed. And so, but I can tell you though, uh, despite the fact that it was, uh, you know, Viagra, she, you know, she was at her happiest, you know, uh, after those days. I mean, the euphoria from that would last, you know, for several days. You know, and so you go off and you realize that it, that it's part mindset and part willingness to invest into your sexuality. I mean, just like everything else, whether it's personal finances, whether it's your career, your marriage and sexuality does take effort, does take planning, does take you deliberately taking steps to improve it. 
You can't just wander through life blindly without a plan for anything and stumble into the idea that you're going to, everything's just going to work out or you're going to hit your best, you know, this, that, and the other thing just blindly without a plan. Now, maybe for some of you, you think, yeah, that will work and hey, that will be great and, you know, that will, you know, be exactly what it is you need it to be. I mean, nobody stumbles into being rich, right? They are deliberate uh, with their career and deliberate with their personal finances. Well, your marriage and your sex life and hitting your sexual peak is the same way. You got to be deliberate. You got to be intentional. You got to be willing to research. And guess what? If you're listening to this podcast, you're already starting to take steps to be deliberate, especially if you are implementing you know, the advice here to be able to help improve your relationships. And so, you know, your sexuality, you got to be deliberate. You got to be planning for it. You got to be working on ways to increase your libido, your sexuality, and be willing to, you know, deliberately try new things. Not just wait for him to ask you, but be deliberate about it. And as you become deliberate and intentional, willing to experiment and willing to take all of these things, you know, these supplements. Now, don't overdo it with the supplements. I mean, you don't need to be taking 30 different supplements for your sexuality. You uh, will need to experiment between what supplements do and do not work for you because everybody's different, right? But you need to be deliberate, intentional. Now, you don't need to tell him that you're taking supplements to increase your libido, right? You don't need to be that forthcoming, you know, about it. Hey, honey, I'm going to pop a couple of pills so that we can have great sex tonight. I mean, you could, but it's not necessary, right? And you don't need to take, you know, the supplement that is just, you know, you take it that night an hour before sex and boom, it hits you really hard, you know, that might leave you, you know, still uh, craving more sex afterwards. I mean, you do want to be satisfied at the end. So there are the daily supplements that you can take that just gently increase your sexuality or, you know, your sexual responses to touches and kisses and, you know, uh, all of that. Now, of course, there are things, you know, that he can do as well, you know, uh, to get to, uh, you know, uh, increasing his sexuality if you're the one with the higher libido in the relationship. Now, my wife, uh, she has uh, brought up an idea to me that I need to write not only another book, but a specific book. Now, yes, I do have one uh, book published, you know, on Amazon. It's a gag book, you know, Women's Instruction Manual, Man's Collective Knowledge of the Female Mind. It's a blank book, you know, basically stating that men don't know jack squat about how women think, you know, which, of course, you know, is kind of funny, but now I need to write a book with actual words into it, and I am working on the book. It's going a lot slower than I thought it would be when I was planning it out uh, at the beginning of the year just because of how many things are going on and how busy, you know, life continues to get, but... One of the books uh, that she suggests uh, that I write is providing an instruction manual to men on how to perfectly eat out a woman, you know, and get her to orgasm, you know, from that. Because 
you know, I, as she states, you know, I'm just so great at it. She can't, you know, hardly get past foreplay without orgasming. She has to stop me, you know, because she can't take any more. Otherwise, she'll orgasm before we even have sex, right? Just off of oral. And, I, you know, and I was going through and taking a look at some of the advice I can get. Like, you know, of course, you don't go straight, you know, as your opening move attacking the clit. You know, you kind of work your way around the outside, you know, uh, of the lips and move your way to the inside and you do uh, various different patterns and all of that. I mean, yeah, that's kind of some general advice, but, you know, light sucking around every part of uh, the vagina, you know, is important because, you know, think about this, you know, what creates a hickey, right? You know, um, you know, suction you know, from one person's mouth onto your skin, you know, and why does that create a hickey? Because it's drawing blood to that area. Now, you don't want to suck nearly that hard uh, down there in the vaginal region, but with a little bit of light sucking while, you know, you're using your tongue and, you know, uh, in between kisses, you know, you're drawing more blood into all aspects of the vagina as you make your way around. And then, of course, you know, a little sucking action uh, on the clit draws more blood into it, you know, while you're licking, which increases its sensitivity and the pleasure that you feel all around. And even if you don't want to get off from oral sex, when penetration happens, well, you got more blood flow down there. And if you're taking supplements that are natural PDE5 inhibitors, it keeps, you know, the blood down there longer, keeping it more fuller longer and increases the sexual sensitivity and pleasure. So, I mean, it's just books about tips like that that she thinks I should write. Now, you know, while you're emailing me and letting me know uh, whether or not you want a video version of the show, go ahead and let me know whether or not you think, you know, uh, a book of instructions on, you know, uh, things that should work uh, for most women, increasing their sexual pleasure, would be something that you think you would want to buy for your man or, you know, uh, or read yourself, you know, and then, you know, without letting him know that you're reading it, and then bring it up, you know, in bed, hey, could you try, you know, this, you know, and see how well it works for you. Now, of course, every woman's different. I've just gotten to know uh, my wife so well over the years and what she likes and everything that I can, you know, deliver the maximum amount of pleasure that, you know, she can feel uh, naturally and, you know, uh, taking supplements, you know, we can increase that to the point where, you know, throughout the entire next day, she's bouncing around happy, even uh, with a three-year-old that is a complete terror at times. And it will last her being happy and bouncy, you know, for a couple of days. At which point, then it's time to go at it again, right? You know, keep it going. You know, the euphoria and the good mood that you get from an orgasm or sex doesn't last forever. But neither does a shower, which is why we need to do it often. So, yes, as we go through and we talk about hitting your sexual peak earlier and making it last longer, it, it, it does really come down to mindset. You got to be wanting to hit your peak earlier. You got to be wanting to, right? Because only by changing your mindset and 
being desiring to increase your sexual peak to hitting your sexual peak earlier, will you take the steps to actually make it happen? If you're resistant to, you know, wanting to do things, uh, to, you know, specifically towards your sexuality, then you're not going to hit your peak. You know, you're just not it like everything else in life. What you want to do takes planning. It's about your mental state of mind. You setting your goals and then you planning how you're going to reach those goals. In this case, you plan on how much you want to have a fulfilling sex life and then you going off and doing the research to get the supplements or, you know, planning out, I'm going to have sex this many times a week and then going for it. And regardless of whether or not you're in the mood right now, because as you are intentional and you increase the frequency of sex and you're taking things to increase your sexual pleasure, you know, your peak will just start happening. Your, you know, sexual desires will just naturally, uh, well, I shouldn't say naturally increase, but as your body adjusts to the increase in sexual activity and all of that, you know, you, your body just desires adjust to it and gets, you know, to the point where it just expects to be able to. And as you go through and you realize that the less you hold back, the faster you can get to your sexual peak, you know, the better off you are going to be in your relationship because you're going to be able to be more open. I mean, marriage is not like dating, right? And when you're first dating, if you, you know, um, hold back a little bit of yourself, you know, you don't want to overwhelm the other person, you know, too much until you figure out whether or not this is a person that's going to be long-term potential. Okay, I, I may get that. But after you're married, you shouldn't be holding anything back. You know, you should be able to be free being yourself. And you should be free to want to experiment with, you know, uh, hitting your sexual pleasure, sexuality, or even non-sexuality. Uh, you know, free to, you know, be able to express yourself. You don't want to go through life, you know, always having to hide a piece of yourself, always having to, you know, think about whether or not this is what the other person, you know, expects of you. You know, now, yes, in a relationship, there's that give and take where you got to be as concerned about your partner as you are about fulfilling your own needs. But, you know, you shouldn't have to hold back. And so that is the mindset, releasing yourself with your partner, freeing yourself to be you in all aspects, both sexually and non-sexually. And, you know, there's a popular term when it comes to budgeting. You know, your treasures are where, is where your money's at, or where you put your money is where your treasures lie. And so when you do things like budgeting, you put your money in the things that you consider to be most important to you. Well, with part of that means your sexuality, right? And your relationship, you know, investing money into your sex life with buying toys, buying supplements, buying, you know, uh, restraints and blindfolds and, 
you know, all of these other things designed to increase your sexual pleasure. You know, putting money into it, let's, well, that pretty much determines whether or not it's all that important to you. And again, I just never heard anybody complain about having too many orgasms or that, hey, man, I have so many orgasms and my relationship sucks. I, I, I never hear that complaint. You know, the more fulfilling the sex is, the better the relationship tends to be. And so you need to invest, you know, the money into there. But that, but in order to be willing to put money into your sex life and into your relationship, you got to value the relationship, which requires the mindset, you know, to be there. So really, when it comes to hitting your sexual peak, you know, hitting it earlier and making it last longer, it's less about the physiological changes in your hormones over time and more about your mindset. It's more that you just need to decide that you want to, right? That's all it is. Just decide. And once you decide, then you will start taking the actions to turn your decision into reality. All right, so that's it uh, for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm getting back to the point where I'm, you know, I shouldn't say getting back to the point, but, you know, I'm still, you know, throwing political correctness out the window. But I do realize that, you know, throwing in a little more, you know, humor uh, in order to drive the points home um, is, you know, what made this podcast uh, popular to begin with. And, of course, I'm going to be going back, you know, uh, to that. I know I kind of strayed away uh, from that uh, just a little bit. But, hey, you know, if you don't like the show or if you find it too insulting or whatever, you know, you don't have to listen. But I realize there's a reason why the audience of this show has built up as much as it has and a reason why, you know, even when I've taken extended breaks, the audience stays there. And I thank you for that. I appreciate that. You know, and I do hit, you know, some points in my life where, I am just really busy and can't do the podcast. Now, if you really like the show, right? In addition, you know, to the sponsors uh, that I get, you know, for the show, you can contribute uh, to the show. There are links uh, in the description below in which you can provide, you know, fan funding. You know, and I would like to be able to get away from having to be concerned about sponsors. Now, I never take on a sponsor that I don't you know, agree with or that I, you know, uh, that go against, um, you know, what I believe, you know, and everything. But I do want to be able to break away from being held, you know, to the idea that I got to be conscious about whether or not this is sponsorship, you know, um, content or, you know, uh, advertiser friendly content. You know, I do want to be able to break away from that. So I can continue to give you my unfiltered, you know, opinions and beliefs, uh, and have the ability to keep delivering the show to you. So, uh, look in the, uh, links in the description below as far as ways that you can help contribute, uh, to the show. And also take a look, uh, at the links, uh, to be able to let me know what your thoughts and opinions are on taking the show to a video show. And whether you want this to the video show to be a call-in show, 
uh, whether, you know, doing segments like a TV show uh, advice and providing, you know, the humor uh, along with the education or whether, you know, seeing watching me as I'm sitting here and talking into the microphone behind my desk is a format uh, that you would want or whether you don't think a video show would be great altogether. Um, one of the reasons why I'm, you know, having such a hard time figuring out uh, what I want to do on a, as far as a video format goes is because YouTube, I mean, they, they keep changing their policies. They keep, and this has become an issue with some of my other YouTube channels, you know, and it's getting hard to try and figure out what type of content would be, you know, within their community guidelines and all of that. And, I don't know, maybe I'll, you know, go off and just try another, you know, YouTube alternative uh, for a video show. I'm pretty sure Pornhub uh, wouldn't have any problems uh, with me posting uh, shows, uh, giving my advice. You know, actually, I kind of like that idea. Pornhub. There's already a lot of traffic there. I'm just not sure whether people are looking for a show versus they just want to watch porn. We'll have to go through and figure that out. Uh, but in any event, let me know about that and let me know, um, you know, as far as the book concept, whether you would want a book, uh, me providing, uh, in writing the advice that I give on the show so that you can go back and reference it in writing, you know, a lot more are an instruction manual, uh, me imparting my advice, uh, that I've learned, uh, with all the years, uh, with my wife on, you know, some, uh, tips and tricks on how to, drive a woman uh, towards a massive orgasm, you know, let me know uh, about that. Also, uh, if you want uh, to help uh, support the show, uh, you can go uh, to sexmancers.com uh, forward slash shop, you know, and there's a store uh, where you can get some T-shirts, hoodies, some long sleeves, and, you know, some mugs uh, that you can purchase to help support the show as well. You know, and be able to, uh, well, provide some good comedy. You know, uh, you women out there can, uh, purchase a shirt at the store, uh, where right over where your breasts will be, it just simply reads, my man squeeze toys. Right? Go ahead and wear that out in public. Right? Or, uh, you can get the, uh, coffee mug or travel mug, uh, that just simply says, I swallow. Uh, that's, you know, I think that would be uh, nice and humorous, uh, you sitting down uh, for morning breakfast uh, with your husband, and you just drink from the mug saying, I swallow. I'm sure that will get him thinking for the day. And that could be part of, you know, your routine of how you start signaling to him that, oh, yeah, you're going to have fun that night. And, of course, there's, you know, other, you know, T-shirts and, you know, uh, designs there as well. Uh, for you to go ahead and check out. It's just ways to help support the show and be able to break away from, you know, uh, having to have advertisers and, you know, uh, being concerned about, you know, advertiser-friendly content so I can, you know, be be and remain as politically unfiltered. So, anyways, I thank you so much uh, for your time and attention, and I will be back again soon.